0: What are the biggest Opportunity Zone lessons we've discovered and Qualified Opportunity Fund best practices we've formed after our first 100 Opportunity Zone strategy calls at OZ Pros? And how can they apply to you? Find out next. And back with me this week is Ashley Tyson, a business attorney and Opportunity Zone consultant who co-founded OZ Pros with me toward the end of last year. Ashley joins us today from his office in Charlotte, North Carolina. Ashley, welcome back. Always good to talk with you.
1: Tell you what, Jimmy, it's a pleasure to be back on the show. Thanks again for uh, what you do with the Opportunity Zones podcast. And excited to uh, to be able to reach out to the audience again.
0: Yeah, should be should be a good one here. We've got a lot of uh, insightful Tips for today, I think uh, Ashley, you really have some quite unique insights into opportunity zones from your vantage point, and some really valuable lessons I think that you can share with our listeners today. Given all of the opportunity zone consulting calls that you've done over the past four months uh, since we started up OZ Pros together, I believe you've done over 100 opportunity zone strategy calls uh, just since we launched. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's been uh, nothing short of amazing. It's been really fun and uh, invigorating to connect with the folks that are doing these deals across the country. And uh, it's been exciting to be a part of assisting them kind of take the next step and to actually make this thing a reality.
0: No, that's great. And um, I'm sure you've talked with people from from all over, uh, all over the country and all different types of businesses and funds that they're setting up. I know you've formed over 50 Opportunity Zone entities to date uh, just over the last few months. That's funds and QOZBs over that time period, which is is really incredible. And uh, so with all of these phone calls that you've been on, all the clients that you've worked with on starting up a number of Qualified Opportunity Funds and Qualified Opportunity Zone business, like I said earlier, you have some really insightful lessons for our listeners today. So to start us off, Ashley, can you tell us what have been just some of the biggest takeaways from all the calls you've been on and the funds that you've set up and the businesses you've set up, how are people approaching different strategies? Uh, basically, what are the biggest lessons that
1: you can share? Well, I think the, the thing that stands out to me kind of the most is that, is how much people know when they are making the calls in. So how much they already have picked up about opportunity zones and how they're dialed into the process dialed into a lot of the benefits of it and they're really just trying to get into the weeds of okay how do we actually do this and that's been neat because it's it's given us an opportunity to instead of doing kind of that uh, 30,000 foot overview you we're know, really diving into the specifics and the nuances of some of these things so that we can specifically unpack their problems so they're comfortable going forward and also with you know with communicating to their accountants and their tax folks about what they need to do and what the process is so i think that that's i think that that's kind of the biggest you know the thing that it has kind of presented itself to me and has been one of the really cool things about the calls um i think the other thing is the variety of transactions that folks are doing um it's been you know, really neat to be a part of that and talking through the different business plans that folks have anywhere from recycling centers to D landfills to uh workforce housing to you know, airbnb strategies uh to bitcoin ecosystems cattle farms bamboo farms hemp farms uh you know, actual food distribution facilities, uh, aquaponic farms that are growing the food that, uh, that that they can scale into some of these areas, uh, and just generally how excited people are about having an avenue to be able to make an investment into a specific area and actually impact. And so that's what's been, I think, probably the the neatest part is actually hearing about. The good stories that you know that the that the news doesn't talk about is that I'm talking I'm talking with people who are boots on the ground actually doing these deals that are you know that really have the possibility of moving the needle from an impact standpoint in these communities and it's neat to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, that's really neat to be able to talk with the folks that have boots on the ground, the folks that are making the impact in their communities. Uh, a couple things i took away from what you just said there the fact that the vast majority of the calls that you're on these are people who have probably been reading and thinking about opportunity zones for quite a while and you know you don't need to go over the basics with them oftentimes i mean certainly i'm i'm sure you get one or two calls every once in a while where you do have to walk them through the very basics uh but but by and large you know these are people who who have been thinking about this for a long time and they're excited about getting started and they just need a little bit of help Uh, figuring out, you know, all the details and the weeds and, and how to structure their funds or structure their, their businesses or actually get the organizing documents set up. So that's, that's basically where you come in is kind of uh, take them across that bridge from basic knowledge to uh, getting going there. So actually, I want you to talk a little bit about something that I know you're passionate about, which is impact and the concept of being an impact multiplier. Can you talk a little bit about that concept? And, And also, I'm curious, what what types of people are you talking to uh, during, these, during these phone calls? What, what types of people are you fielding calls from?
1: So majority of our calls have been with people who have their own capital gain and want to do their own deals, right? So they're taking advantage of this self-directed super Roth IRA that, uh, that we've talked about before because it's tax advantage going in, it gets to grow uh, you know, in a tax favorable environment. Uh, you're going to pay income taxes on it, obviously, as it's throwing cash off of it. But then you you also get to to divest it tax free on the back end and to be able to put that money into uh, your, you know, to your account tax free after a 10 year hold. And so a lot of the folks are doing their own deals um, on that basis. And, you know, as part of that, you know, and I'm i am I've beat this drum and I continue to talk about the impact analysis that they need to really be focused on. And so that's been a really cool conversation to have is say, okay, what are you doing to create impact? Is your deal in and of itself creating impact? And then if it is, what what can we do to leverage that impact? So how can you work with the different organizations that are in your community and uh how can we plug you in with resources that we have you know with respect to being able to leverage that impact to be a uh, an impact force multiplier if you will and so I think that that's actually one of the cool things about these calls is that I think that we are having the opportunity to leverage this podcast that you're doing and that you've put together as becoming a uh, an impact multiplier. Across these opportunity zone deals, and as you've kind of picked up from this from me on this before, you know the the whole impact piece of this is what I'm really passionate about, and that's one of the reasons why we're doing these calls. so that's been exciting, kind of as part of that and and this is something that um, that has spawned out of doing these calls and and the different things that we've been doing is that I've actually had the opportunity to be able to talk with a number of community development organizations. So whether that's an economic development group or a, uh, a chamber of commerce, or just a, folk, uh, a group of folks that are really interested in trying to make their community better and to attract dollars into their community, I've had the, the chance to be able to kind of walk them through through one of these calls and through a number of these calls on how they can actually move the needle on that. And then that's actually led to uh, me doing a presentation and, and doing presentations for these various groups, more in the form of a, kind of a workshop, uh, you know, where we actually jump into the weeds of, okay, what do you actually need to do? And you know, what are the steps that you take in order to get this off the ground? whether that's a self-directed super Roth where you're actually going to be making investments yourself, or whether that's a community that wants to establish a fund themselves, or whether that's a, a college that wants to establish a fund or, or partner with somebody in order to take advantage of the opportunity zones and how they can go about utilizing and leveraging their resources to create this, uh, this ecosystem that is friendly to entrepreneurial ventures and that's friendly to opportunity zone investments, and so I think that that's actually probably been, you know, the coolest part of the calls is you know being able to be that impact multiplier and seeing where that's kind of taken you know their projects, but also how it's kind of taken a, a new stance for us within the force of these workshops that we're doing and that we you know that we'll do for uh, communities. Uh, and we'll actually come in and do those in person. And then also, you know, this concept of a kind of an ongoing mastermind for how we can build a, a group and a network of folks that can kind of collectively get together and you know, talk through opportunity zones.
0: Yeah, that's great, Ashley. And I want to talk with you a little bit more about the mastermind concept a little bit later in the episode but first i want to get back to the calls that you've been doing and and dive in there a little bit actually i really want to talk about what are the questions that come up frequently during these consulting calls i, I want to see if we can answer a few of the f- most frequently asked questions right here and now for our listeners uh, just so they can learn some lessons and and maybe we can avoid uh, you spending too much time on those on those FAQs at the front of these calls if enough people listen now
1: I think, I, you know, I think that as I look across the calls and perhaps the one that resounds the most is what's the minimum amount that I can put into a QOF and, and have it qualify and have it work? And uh, in, in the response that I regularly give people is that it is kinda, it's going to kind of depend on the factual circumstances of the deal, the specific deal that they're going to be doing. But that just like anything else, when you're talking about taxes, when you're talking about trying to navigate a road of uh, you know new legislation, is that you want to be operating in the normal and ordinary course of stuff that's similarly situated. And so I think that, you know, you want to be operating kind of in the course of best practices with respect to the type of transaction that you're doing. And so for a startup business, you know, that could be $1,000, right? Because, you know, $1,000 gets your business off the ground and you're, you know, you're off to the races and then you have your income and you have the revenue that is coming in that then grows the business and, you know, and does the, you know, the, and lets the business do its thing. For real estate deals, it's a little bit of a different story. And typically, there's a debt to equity ratio that's kind of generally accepted. And so what I've been talking to people about is that you don't want to structure your deal with your own related party debt that's roughly 19%, uh, an 80% loan that's out there from a third party entity, and then have 1% of equity that goes into the deal. Because I think that There could be an issue where that could be considered, you know, that it's actually equity instead of a loan that you're putting into the deal. And so I think that the answer that I give people on that is that look to your industry and look at what's kind of commonly accepted in the industry. And then you want to try to stick as close to that as possible. Another common question that we get is a husband and a wife, a partnership it's a really kind of interesting question and I'm actually kind of looking forward to maybe getting some additional feedback from folks on this uh, after the podcast. But, you know, as far as the IRS goes, if there are two unique taxpayer identification numbers that are in an LLC, uh, that's a partnership. And so, you know, the, there's this whole kind of conversation about community property within that. It's my understanding that, you know, that if you want it to be considered community property, that you actually have to designate that. But that um, that if you have two, you know, individual, unique employer identification numbers, that that suffices for uh, being deemed a partnership. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of regularly tell people that if they're concerned about it and they're worried about it, put another person in there that's not your wife. And um, and so that's actually kind of been uh, the tack that a lot of people have been pursuing when they're concerned about that. So uh, another one that continues to pop up too, Jimmy is a question about if a business owns tangible property that was acquired prior to December 31st of 2017, and they acquired that, you know, in a business that's outside of the zone. But then they move this, the business into the zone as part of a strategy, um, you know, within what you're allowed to do within the Opportunity Zone incentive. And will the assets that were bought prior to December 31st, 2017, be deemed Qualified Opportunity Zone business property, or will they have to treat them as bad assets kind of in that 30% category? And, um, and I think that it's, it's actually a, a, a really good question. And it's kind of interesting how how it's popped up and it's popped up a number of times. And, uh, you know, if you really kind of boil that down is stating in another way to do assets have to be purchased after December 31st of 2017. And I think that the answer to that is yes, because if uh, and I I think that that's in the definition that like literally of the definition of qualified opportunities on business property is that it's got to be something that's. Bought from an unrelated party after December thirty first, twenty seventeen, and so the you know the the analysis on that is is that if you have assets that were bought prior to that, then treat them as into that thirty percent category, or take some of the other approaches that folks are doing out there with respect to that, and uh, in you know deal with those accordingly.
0: Those are the those are the FAQs that you that you get pretty, pretty commonly. Uh, so thanks for, thanks for addressing those, Ashley. Uh, I want to talk with you next about, yeah. You know, this is a, this is a new investment vehicle, the Qualified Opportunity Fund. It's a, it's a new incentive program. Final regs were only issued by the IRS, uh, you know, less than three months ago, back at the end of December, 2019. So, you know, folks like you, uh, have kind of had to blaze the trail a little bit and uh, so to speak in terms of establishing best practices for forming these opportunity zone entities whether they be a qualified opportunity fund or a qualified opportunity zone business can can you share a little bit about what you've learned in terms of uh, or what you've formed as best practices over uh, over the past few months
1: you know I think that there's a lot of those and it's probably probably too many of those to and you know to bust out in our fairly limited window here today. But I think that the, perhaps the biggest one and the one that um, is, uh, you know, that kind of keeps, continues to pop up is the question of entity selection. And, you know, this, there's a lot of conversation and I think that we've hit it on previous podcasts before about the potential of utilizing a C corporation in order to mitigate the taxes, uh, you know, the th- that 39% uh, bracket for, you know, for individuals. And the best practices that I think that I've seen kind of as a result of these calls is that the decision to utilize a C-Corp is going to depend on somebody's ability to be able to acquire qualified opportunity zone business property and to be able to do so rather easily. Because if they can't do that, then they're gonna bump up into issues associated with that 5% non-qualified financial property and what to do with the excess cash that the C Corp's building. The whole nature of the and the kind of the thought process on the C Corp is that you know the opportunity zone program allows somebody to uh, kind of to deal with the issue of double taxation and how you get money out of a C-Corp if you sell all of its assets. And so the Opportunity Zone allows you to do that and to not, you know, to get a step up in basis to fair market value on that. And so to accordingly not have to to worry about the double taxation. But that's assuming that you have the ability to be able to acquire Qualified Opportunity Zone business property at a reasonable rate. And within the time period that won't, um, bump you into any kind of issues associated with working capital or uh, to, that won't cause you to go in excess of that 5% non-qualified financial property. And so that's been the one of the, I guess, kind of carve outs or the the best practices is is that if, if you've got a question about that, go with an LLC and start it up as an LLC that's going to be a pass-through and pass through the losses and everything else that, uh, that you can and get the benefit of the pass through entity because you can always convert at a later date. Uh, But it's a little bit tougher if you're going the other way around. Um, I think one of the other best practices that, that we've talked about comes in the context of the 50% income test. And You know, some of the and there's a spectrum on that about the best practices, you know, the best practices, you know, as if you're going to belt and suspenders land would be to in order to prove that you're complying with that 50 percent income test and that either 50 percent of your hours worked or 50 percent of your wages paid are being done in an opportunity zone that you should be using a time tracking software system or some kind of time tracking system that actually shows where your employees are. So if you're doing that digitally, you know, you would have geo enabled software that would allow for that to happen. So that that way you could show that your employees are actually working in an opportunity zone, uh, a, a reasonable kind of, I guess, uh, Back down off of that would be that if you're not using you know software if you're not doing it electronically it would be a an actual uh, kind of time card situation where you're punching time cards. so those are best practices, but you know a lot of people don't really like that in today's work environment, and so we've had conversations about different methods and different processes and uh, ideas and concepts that people can use. In order to be able to show that and to build that, you know, that crucial audit trail relative to the 50% income test about how they're confirming that their employees are actually working 50% inside the zone, and uh, and so those are some of the best practices that we've, uh, you know, that we've fleshed out, and it it's been neat to see some of the other best practices that other folks are 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 coming up with as well you know, that both have been guests on your show and, and other people that I'm kind of running across in the industry as well.
0: Yeah, that's great, Ashley. And I expect that as time goes on and uh, the marketplace matures a little bit more, best practices will become uh, more and more fleshed out. It's a pretty tight knit community The professionals such as yourself who are working in this industry, uh, the the groups of accounting practices and law firms and consultants trying to all get on the same page and and steering all of their clients in the in the same direction with the uh, ultimate end goal of uh doing what the legislation intends which is uh social impact in these in these economically distressed communities all over the country. Uh so that's that that's great that so much work has already gotten done by you the number of entities you've already formed and and the best practices you've started to establish there that's that's incredible. So actually the next thing uh, I want to talk about with you is uh, is the next thing that you and I together are working on developing at OZ Pros. It's an educational course on Opportunity Zones. It's not available yet, but we just started production on it, and it's going to be a video course. So you guys out there listening to this today, you'll get to see Ashley and me on camera. We haven't really nailed down the exact format or pricing yet, but it should be available this spring. And as you mentioned, uh Few minutes ago, Ashley, we're also developing a mastermind group concept uh, or a community where uh, you know we could kind of help each other out or uh, or share ideas or share strategies or some sort of continuing education program for for our community or mastermind group. Uh, Ashley, I want to turn it over to you. Can you can you share a little bit more about what we're doing there with the educational course and and the mastermind group and who might be an ideal candidate to uh, to join the group and learn from the course?
1: So Jimmy I think that the ideal candidate for the course is anyone who wants to fast track their learning about opportunity zones and that's either to set up their own qualified opportunity fund or qualified opportunity zone business or to just prove out whether the OZ incentive is for them and you know that's like I said that's anybody that uh, that is that's got a capital gain that they're in, interested in investing Or it could also be uh, across the board for folks who are interested in exploring how the incentive can be leveraged in order to enhance their community. So that's economic development folks, that's, uh, you know, civic leaders, that's, you know, folks that, that have a vested interest, that's nonprofits. That's anyone who's got a vested interest in seeing their community positively impacted through investment. And so, along those lines, anyone who is thinking about selling a business, they should be looking at opportunity zones. Anybody who's thinking about buying a business should be looking at opportunity zones. And most definitely, anyone who's thinking about starting a business should be looking at how they can start their business in an opportunity zone and do it with capital gain dollars in order to take advantage of this incentive. And that's who the educational product is going to be geared towards. We're going to walk through all those scenarios and we're going to walk through, uh, you know, how to get it done. And we're going to do a deep dive into the weeds about specifically that, how to get this thing done, how to actually execute on making it happen. So that's who I think should be uh, checking out the educational product. Yeah,
0: that's great. I think a lot of different folks, a lot of different organizations out there could be an ideal candidate for... What we're starting to put together there, and uh, you guys will be hearing more about this from from me and Ashley over the coming months as we continue to develop it and and launch it later this spring, as I mentioned before. So Ashley, before we go today, I'd just like to take a minute to tell our listeners a little bit more about Oz Pros and how we can help them get started with Opportunity Zones. So if you're listening to this podcast, and clearly you are, and you're interested in working with us to form your own Opportunity Zone fund or business you know, maybe you have a project that you need to raise capital for, so you need to start an OZ fund. Or maybe you have capital gains of your own that you want to roll over into an opportunity zone, but you need to form a qualified opportunity fund first. Or maybe you're a business owner, as Ashley was alluding to in his previous answer, and you're looking to start a new business or relocate an existing business or buy an existing business in an opportunity zone. Whatever your individual case may be, we can help you form your own Opportunity Zone fund or qualified Opportunity Zone business at OZ Pros. And your first step is to schedule a strategy call with my guest today, Ashley Tyson. This Opportunity Zone strategy call is a paid one hour consultation call where you get to talk with Ashley one on one, and Ashley can walk you through different entity structuring options and really just help you brainstorm any Opportunity Zone concepts or ideas that you may have and you may want to bounce off someone else. And for listeners of this podcast, we have a special link to share with you that will save you $50 on the price of your Opportunity Zone strategy call. You can visit ozpros.com slash podcast to access the $50 off deal that we're offering to podcast listeners today. That's ozpros.com slash podcast. And once you get there, you'll see that the $50 discount has been automatically applied. There's no coupon code to type in or anything like that. And you can go ahead and book a call directly on Ashley's calendar, pick a time that's convenient for you, and you'll get a follow-up email that will confirm your appointment time and the phone number to dial into. It's, it's just that easy to get started. So head on over now to ozpros.com slash podcast to learn more and take your first step today. Ashley, thanks for your time today. Always good talking to you.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Jimmy. Once again, I'm always appreciate being on the show and uh, appreciate what you're doing for Opportunity Zones.
0: You bet, Ashley. Thank you. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone fund investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.